Geeks, the MMA Geeks, C-Level Podcast, with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Welcome to episode 151 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryab, my co-host, the partisan crowd to my Soviet last name, the Abu Dhabi crowd, Nikolai, Nick Bracha. How do you do? How do you do, brother? You've made time for us this week. You've been a busy, busy man. And let's face it, Nick, the, the longtime listeners of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast, your, your co-host, Nick, we just couldn't get your attention for a bit there, but you finally made some time for us. What was it that enticed you to be here today? Yeah, my mom's been pretty upset about it, um, us not uh, recording. Uh, well, frankly, I healed up. I mean, what happened is with the drubbing that I've been taking uh, for the second half of this year, I went outside and tried, um, you know, just just tried practicing some leg kicks against the streetlight. Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, Corey healed my shin. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just been tough. You know, it's been a tough rehab, but, like, all the other fighters have been here supporting me and, uh, you know. I'm gonna be able to gonna be able to walk soon. Definitely want to get want to get back into the cage. So you're doing a whole uh, you're doing a whole like I, I've been uh, I've been working hard and I got injured and I'm back now kind of thing. All right. Yeah. When the reality when the reality is that I just had a bunch of travel and personal stuff. Because I'm I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure it was a USADA suspension personally is why you were missing. You know what I'm saying, Nicola? Um, Don't that man. I mean, New York City's got gummies everywhere now. Yeah. Uh, Nick, um, we're gonna break down UFC 280. Headlined by Charles Oliveira, the uncrowned king, and Islam Makhachev. Uh, Khabib's, like, here's how I'll put it, Nikolai. Khabib has taken a heel turn, right? He is now the Paul Heyman. He is now the evil manager of the up-and-comer who is silent and doesn't say a word. Speaks trash on his behalf, Nick, and then has him go in there and destroy a tomato can. And here and here, this, this client of Khabib's is finally going up for the title. Mostly because Khabib talked his way into the matchup. Um, although, to be fair, Islam Makhachev probably would have gotten the opportunity to fight top five, top five competition if anybody was willing to fight him. Charles Oliveira was willing to fight him against as well, Nick. Didn't want to do it in Abu Dhabi on Islam's home turf. And we're going into this matchup. Once again, Charles Oliveira, a goddamn underdog. The constant underdog, considering how he smokes and destroys people. How he finishes people within a couple of rounds consistently, Nick. Still a goddamn underdog to this guy who, let's face it, is largely unproven. Right? Like... Clearly, he can dominate mid to low level competition. What can he do against the elite? We're going to find out this weekend, man. I'm excited about it. Yeah, this is an amazing card. It really is. Uh, all, all the super, way through. Super, super fun card. A bunch of Soviet last names. Uh, uh, we're going to have a partisan crowd in Abu Dhabi. We're going to have some exciting matchups, man. This this last card, I don't know if you caught much of, much of it, was pretty damn exciting, man. Like, there wasn't, you can see leading up to it that. There was only real, literally one matchup that could be boring, and that matchup turned out okay. But man, just a bunch of exciting fights. I'm expecting similar results here, man. I'm expecting just a wild night, yeah. um, potentially full of upsets too. This will be fun to watch, man. So, you, dude, you know what blew me away last weekend was Rafael Sunsal. He looked yeah. really good, dude. Like we, we have to, I, I, uh, and I didn't give him enough credit because I really thought he was worn. I thought, I thought for. 135 pounds for a guy at his age we've seen a serious drop off on a few athletes and I, and I thought he just didn't have it um but dude he's still elite like skill wise he's still elite and if you can't hurt him you're not going to do too well against him right you have to have the power to hurt that guy but I agree man he looked fantastic and it was so good to see it and he still talked about how retirement is looming despite the success he had in this matchup um it, it was good to see him find find that level of success it's just 
a shame that he couldn't beat Cody Garbrandt because I think he's deserving to, to beat that guy of all people. Nick, you have the Indeed. first pick so this weekend. Brother, you need it. You're a bunch of points down. I, I think you have a couple months left to make it up. What is your first pick from UFC 280? Oh, boy. I mean, oh, boy. You know, the fun, should I go with one that I want to talk about, or should I go with something that's got, like, crazy odds? I mean, we'll go we'll go with the crazy odds, even though I'm not going to have a ton to say, which which is I'm going to go with um, the Dagestani fighting out of the UK, uh, Mohamed uh, Makayev, to beat the Canadian um, Malcolm Gordon, who just hasn't, I don't know. I feel like Malcolm Gordon's a Bellator fighter. Um, and you also know my rule around, you know, picking picking Dagestanis. Although at flyweight, it gets a little bit trickier, I feel like. But uh, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go with Mohamed uh, Makayev because what we've seen out of out of Gordon just is not, has not been that consistent. I don't think has been like that elite. And I think at his level, if he were in a different division and uh, like he wouldn't be a UFC fighter, it's just that 125 is pretty lean. I don't know how lean 125 is. I think it's a pretty high level division, but he has been fighting. Obviously. Oh, it's got star. It's got stars in it, just not thirty of them. Yeah, no, no know, I, I get that. I mean, it probably has a total of twenty fighters, especially after the UFC released a bunch of them several years ago as they were contemplating closing the division. Um, and that would have been to all of our detriment because it's a fantastic division, man. Super, super high pace fights, super high level, super fast. People, uh, several people in this division have got knockout power, which you wouldn't expect at 125 pounds, man. Uh, I love the division, man. Here's the thing about uh, Malcolm Gordon, right? Like, he gets underestimated again and again. He did get smoked in his first two UFC fights, to be fair. But, dude, he came in. Francisco Figueredo, he dominated him. Uh, Denise Bondar, he dominated him before before he kind of injured uh, Bondar's arm and, and got him out of there within a couple of minutes. Dude, Gordon is pretty fucking legit in whatever mental hurdles he had to deal with prior to these last couple of wins. He's clearly dealt with them. I do think there's a little bit of a concern about durability, but... It's not like Muhammad Mahayev is a heavy hitter. I think realistically Mahayev is going to go for the safe route like he did in his second UFC bout, where he's going to go for consistent takedowns like he did against Charles Johnson, um, to ground the guy and and keep it where it's safe. I don't know that Gordon Gordon's not a great striker by any means. He's more of a good grappler than anything else. He'll take advantage of a tired opponent, but uh, I tend to agree with you. I think Mahayev on paper has all the skills to win this bout. M- Malcolm Gordon isn't he's necessarily also been dangerous tr- enough, better. I think, to take advantage of a mistake by Mahayev. He's also been in Makachev's camp for the last, however, I'm sure he's in his entourage. I'm sure he's rolling around and he's training. Um, you know, he's training with these beasts. So is that is that confirmed that he's been in that camp? Because I I don't think he generally trains. Well, he's part. Oh, uh, I mean, according to Topology, he's a member of KHK. So, um, so I'm I'm, I'm so looking is, at pictures of him from Abu Dhabi from this week, and of the pictures, I don't see, you know, Khabib. I don't see. Um, it's just strange they would be booked on the same card and listed as part of the same team. Yeah, I, um, I don't think they're actually part of the same team. I mean, they live in different countries, um, unless he like went out to Abu Dhabi for a well, while. And I don't see any why does tap that. why does Tapology list uh, list Makachev as part of of KHK? Also, KHK. I don't think KHK is where Khabib comes from. I don't think that's officially where like they. No, well, Khabib comes from his dad's camp, right? right? And so right. does Makachev, that... like from the beginning. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what they're. Thing. I don't know. 
Yeah, it could be. I don't know what. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at every but... picture uh, with Makayev, and I don't see a single one involving Khabib, Makhachev, or or uh, Muhammad uh, Muhammad. Uh, what's his name? Bilal Muhammad. I, I I forgot his name, Nick. Bilal Muhammad, who's been part of their camp. I, I, I don't see any <laughs> of those guys. Um, yeah. Okay. Then I might. Then Tapology might just have bad info. Yeah, I, I think it's a different Dagestani crew. Uh, here's the thing: the kid's 28 and 0 as an amateur. He's 8 and 0 as a pro. The guy's got a wealth of experience. Over 30 fights under his belt at age. What is he? 20. Let me see quickly here. He's 22 years old, dude. He's a child. Look, is he uh, valued too highly over Malcolm Gordon, who's very capable, who's very skilled, who's got a lot of heart? Yeah, probably. But you know, he should win this fight. Um, I'm gonna go as my next pick. I think I'm gonna go with. A guy who has like holes in his game, who's got cardio issues, he has serious power, he's explosive early, he's got a pretty big win on his belt against another de- debuting prospect in uh, Rafael Faziev. I'm going to take Magomed Mustafaev to beat Yamoto. I thought you were talking about me. Oh, listen, you're a killer, but you are not you are not that Dagestani guy who's been who's been getting prospects out of there. Nick, uh, although you do have cardio issues. Um, look, I, I think Magomed Mustafaev is going to be super dangerous early, and Yamoto Nishikawa... He's a short guy. He's shorter than Mustafaev. He's kind of got a stocky build. He's like 20, like he's like 19, 20 years old, something like that, right? He's a child. Yeah, he came up on the Japanese scene against against largely unathletic older opponents, largely with mediocre records, even on that Japanese scene, right? It's not like he's fought a bunch of like undefeated guys, even though he himself has a has a respectable record. Um, I, I just like just watching tape on him, man. He's very hittable. He's easy to take down. He desperately goes for takedowns. And if he can't get it, he'll pull guard. Um, I don't think that's going to work very well against a seasoned, tough, gritty uh, Dagestani man who also has a handful of UFC fights. And by the way, a really successful UFC record. The guy is three. Oh, actually, I mean, he's three and two. Not really successful, but his losses are a split decision to Brad Riddell. And uh, he got choked out by Kevin Lee several years ago. Uh, back in 2016, the guy fights like that. Every Brad Riddell years. fight was awesome. That was, really that was, was. a very competitive oh, fight. It was a, it was a fantastic fight. And he's got a knockout win. He sandwiched a knockout win over Rafael Fazeev in there, right? So he's not beating bad competition by any means. Um, and, and I just feel like this, this Japanese kid, Yamoto, is just not ready for this smoke, man. He's 19 years old. He went pro at 13. Can you explain to me how this 13 year old went pro and fought like 22 year old adults and like won? How is this possible, Nick? How's this possible? Like, have you ever met a 13-year-old that can do that? His debut was in 2016, Nikolai. That was six years ago. He is 19 years old. This is insanity. Anyway, I expect Yeah, that. but the, mm-hmm. the other thing we got to remember, right, and this happens with almost every Japanese fighter who comes over to the UFC. Yeah. It, it's my observation that, like, those fighters don't train for the same kind of weight cuts. So this guy, even at 5'7", like, they're, they all Japanese fighters in the UFC always, to me, seem like they're fighting... Um, one or two weight, two weight class, like, yeah, two weight classes above from what um, Vanderlei Silva what, made a career have... of beating on those guys, right? What's that? Vanderlei Silva made a career of roughing yeah. those guys up. Remember, oh my God, who was the guy that uh, <laughs> that Rumble Johnson sent to the shadow realm? Um, that sounds kind of that sounds kind of familiar, but I'm not sure at the moment. No, it was it was on the it was on the um, oh wait, jo- uh, what's his name? Um, Josh Koscheck also sent this guy to the Shadow Realm, but I can't remember his mm. name. Oh my God, I'm gonna. F- I'll tell you in a second. Yeah. Uh, Yo, uh, Yoshiyuki Yoshida. Oh, Yoshida, yes, my good. Wait a minute. He went to the UFC. Yoshida did. He fought in shorts. That's fascinating. Yush- yeah, Yoshida got knocked out. Uh, he had. Um, he he beat War Machine. Uh, he lost to Koscheck. He beat Brandon Wolf. 
and then he lost to Anthony Johnson yep. and Mike uh, Goyman. But yeah, the Anthony Johnson and Josh Koscheck knockouts were, um, especially. I remember Rumble looked like he was like six weight classes above. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, he was. Um, so yeah, look, I think we're on the same yeah. page about the matchup. <laughs> Yamoto's a good grappler. He's a talented grappler. I just don't expect that he's going to survive the early onslaught by Mustafa in order to make it to the point where he can take advantage of a more tired version of Mustafaev, who's still, by the way, physically strong, still explosive, still dangerous, right? So I just don't like this kid's chances at age 19 against this fucking 34-year-old brute. What you got, brother? You're a, th you're a 34-year-old brute. I'm an, All right, I'm let's an get older the, brute than that now, Nikolai. Uh, man, I want to go into the... Uh, I really want to go into the main card, but I'm not yet. I think I want to take some more responsible picks. I'm going to go with Carol Hosa against Lena Landsberg. I just think Hosa's younger she's more versatile i think that she's faster and the only time we really saw her um have an extremely tough time was with was with the olympic level wrestling of uh of sarah mcmahon i don't think lena landsberg's gonna have anything for hosa i think hosa's just gonna gonna land a lot of shots i don't think that landsberg's gonna have the speed and i don't think that her grappling is going to be able to um uh, control control where the fight goes I mean, to be honest, I kind of see this as potentially a three-point opportunity for you since um, you kind of could use the points, right? Like, yeah, she lost the decision to Sarah McMahon and Panny Kianzad, but Carol Rosa lost the decision to Sarah McMahon, too. Who's to say she wouldn't lose the decision to Panny Kianzad, right? The Yana Kuniskaya's, the Aspen Lads, that's who beats the Chris Cyborgs. That's who beats somebody like Lena Landsberg. She's got wins over Tanya Evinger, who, you know, didn't do too well in the UFC, but still like a formidable gritty veteran she got a win over macy Chazan, who's a successful ufc fighter right like the the girls that she's beating lucy Putilova, gina mazani not high level don't get me wrong but these are like you know girls with some upside girls who've had some success in the ufc um i feel like this is a situation carol rosa's takedown defense is really the big concern right um the output difference is huge because carol hosa throws 100 million strikes per minute and lena landsberg might not but lena landsberg is a big strong girl um you know can she get takedowns i think it's possible and Carol Hosa has shown a weakness in that regard. We, we've seen the weakness on the ground more than anywhere else. So I think for three points at plus 275, I would have taken Lena Landsberg if I was you. But I see where you're coming from on, on Carol Hosa. I just feel like having Carol Hosa as this much of a favorite after she was basically this much of a favorite against Sarah McMahon and shot the bed, I, I think that's, that, that's a little bit odd given all the circumstances. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between... Uh, and by the way, again, I, I lean Carol Hosa, everything all else being the same, just that these odds, I think Landsberg is an opportunity. And the next matchup that I'm going to choose from, Nick, is going to be one of the top three matches, one of the top three fights mm. of the night. I'm going to pick in the, God damn it. the Piotr Yan-Sean Sean O'Malley matchup. Nick, do I think that Sean O'Malley has a really solid chance in a three-rounder versus a five-rounder? Yeah, he has a much higher chance than a three-rounder. In fact, if this was a five-round fight, yes. um, Piotr Yan should be like, significantly bigger favor because I don't like Sean O'Malley's chances of finishing it early but Piotr Yen loses almost every first round he fights right that's at least partially what cost him in a very close fight um against Aljamain Sterling in that last matchup right where he lost the first round a competitive first round but he lost it because he likes to kind of collect data and set traps and 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 he, it takes him a little while to get warmed up and then they split the next four rounds two and two right so he couldn't afford to lose that first round of that five rounder. In this case, can he afford to lose the first round and a half? And and what if Shadow Mail lands a couple of big shots early in that second round and takes that one too? 
and then Piotr Jan is, is kind of fighting from behind. Even if he has a dominant third round, we're talking about potentially a draw here. So is there a chance that Sean O'Malley can win this fight? Yeah. But we've seen Sean O'Malley struggle against gritty pressure fighters. A guy who should be fighting at 125 and Chris Moutinho, a guy who was smoked a couple of times after he fought Sean O'Malley and, and, and went through almost the entire three-round period with him, right? Just purely forward pressure. Um, Piotr Yan is a different league of a forward pressure, gritty, durable fighter. He's going to put serious damage on O'Malley. Those leg kicks are going to fire. He's going to get takedowns on O'Malley. O'Malley has shown a weakness in those two regards, right? Off of his back. Cheeto Vera knocked him the fuck out. He's been taken down multiple times in his UFC career. And he's been fighting guys that are several leagues below Piotr Yan, maybe outside of Pedro Munoz, who, by the way, did well in that first round and beat him in that first round because Sean O'Malley barely threw anything, right? If Piotr Yan is applying the kind of pressure I think he can apply, uh, keeping Sean O'Malley on his back foot, keeping his back to the fence, I think Piotr Yan is going to be able to get takedowns at will. I think he's going to be able to land bombs at will. I think he's going to potentially be able to hurt O'Malley. But you got to consider that O'Malley hits incredibly hard and he's incredibly fast and he's way taller than is Piotr Yan. Now, to Piotr Yan's record, he's going to be closing that distance and keeping it as, at his range, right? But what if he doesn't do it right away? What if he takes enough damage early in that matchup and and isn't able to fully recover until it's too late? It's possible. I'm going to take Piotr Yan because I'm a big believer in that man. I think he's a monster of a human being. And, and I think Sean O'Malley's doing this shit just to be famous. Um, I've got Piotr Yan by, by either, you know, kind of a decision in which he starts to run away with it at a, you know, late first round, early second round. Or, you know, he finishes him late because Sean O'Malley hasn't proven to be durable and hasn't necessarily shown that he has heart in a really, really tough fight yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you um, completely. Like, even though Jan's kind of a heel, like, he's nowhere... This is sort of a heel versus heel fight. But how is he a um, heel? He's, nowhere... he's like a really likable heel. He's like a he's like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's I, a likable guy. I, I like... I, I mean, I like him, but he, he, did, he did talk a lot of... A shit after the DQ and di- anyway, he's, I think he's a little bit of a heel, but he's way more likable than O'Malley. I, uh, don't call Steve Austin. Yeah. Throw him two beers after I, his win. I don't like. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've never. I liked O'Malley on the Contender series when he seemed like a floppy-haired kid. And yeah. Whatever. Ha- then this Instagram Fortnite character like sucks. Um, yeah, there, there is something to like yeah. the O'Malleys and the Masvidals who are clearly just like putting up for the cameras and thinking of the most. Um, controversial, interesting, confident thing to say at all times, rather than just being like genuine. Um, he just hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't really impressed me, to be honest. Like again, even even when he got guys out of there, like like Thomas Almeida, like it took it took a long time. Like he seems a little tensitive. Um, I mean, he he heard he Almeida seem... in that first round and almost finished him, if I remember correctly. Um, so like, well, he doesn't he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it took him a while to get him out of there, out of there, and it it uh he doesn't seem all that durable. And no. I just Jan is incredible. Jan's incredibly durable. And as far as you know, fighting a guy that height, Jan had a rough first round against Corey Sanhagen, but did very well in the rest of the fight. And I think Sanhagen is such a. I think Sanhagen's a much more complete MMA fighter than Sean O'Malley is. Um, we that. also haven't seen a lot. I mean, it's not, sure a head kick can put anybody down, but it's not. We could say O'Malley hits hard, but I don't know that that little green haired. Like regional fighter took Chris like three hundred shots that didn't go. Yeah, yeah, he took like three hundred shots that didn't go anywhere. Like he's like a like, he's like a poor homeless man's like Peter Yan understudy, and he kind of did okay yeah. considering he was getting beat up. So yeah, I, I'm all I'm all Yan in this fight, and uh, 
I'm surprised oh, you picked Hosa so- over Jan. Although you know Shadow Malley's stuck on a good game, so I'm sure, I'm sure he's putting doubt into people's minds. Um, I'm surprised not, you picked I Hosa mean, over not, Jan. Not a ton of doubt. I just don't. At 40 years old, I don't have a lot of faith in Lena Landsberg, and I don't think she's going to be able to take uh, Carol Hosa down. I think that. Yeah, you might I be think right. That, um, I will say so, just quickly, and, and I don't want to stay on that matchup, not that it's like the most important one of the night. I believe that uh, Hosa gets taken down a lot. I'm looking at her record. Sarah McMahon took her down four times. Jocelyn Edwards took her down once. No, not a lot, to be fair. Not once. Lot. Yeah, it was only. It was really only in that she's able to get up and deal, deal with stuff outside of that. Yeah, uh, you're right. One fight. But I don't think Lena Landsberg's very fast. Um, she's not. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. There will be a speed discrepancy there. Uh, what's your next pick, brother? Now it gets, it's already like pretty, you know, pretty interesting. Um, I think I'm going to pick up, pick one that I want to talk about. And this is a two pointer potentially for me. Mm-hmm. You're going to think I'm nuts, but I, she's got a one inch reach advantage and we know what she can do with that jab and how she fights and how she, I, and I'm going to go with Caitlin Kuchagian for three points over Manon and Firo. Shukagian. I think this will end up being uh, Man and Firo's like UFC learning experience fight. Her like she's loss, obviously, yeah. yeah, her prospect loss. I think she's I think she's really good. I think that she tires a little bit. Shukagian doesn't. Um, Shukagian is really hard to get to. She's just super hard to get to. And Firo, I think Firo's as I said is really good, but I don't know that she's got quite the like. Explo- explosive mini Vanderlei Silva power that Jessica Andrade does. Um, she's tough and she can overwhelm and she can swarm and she's very athletic. But Chukakian's big and very athletic and excels at keeping at keeping fighters at range. Um, so I think it'll be close, probably a split decision. But I can see. I don't think nobody, almost nobody, has a star-making performance against Caitlin Chukakian. You just don't. She's a spoiler, and I think she spoils here. Um, I think you're making the right call. Uh, I, th- I think you're making the right pick here. Really, I'm surprised. Yeah, and, and oh, because it's because I need. Well, I mean, I'm not going to win this year no matter what. But it, but it is. But I think for three points, it's worth it. No, if it, it, it's two, uh, I believe it's two points. I don't see her being that big of a favorite. Uh, uh, she's plus one eighty five uh, or so. No, hang on. You got to get a plus two fifty um, to get three points. Oh, she, yeah, I thought it was, okay. Yeah, it was um, plus. S- still, again, plus there's value on Shukagian, right? Here's here's my concern in this matchup, and I my initial instinct was like, Shukagian's this much of an underdog once a fucking again. She's the number two or number three fighter in the division. She consistently beats up-and-comers like this. The problem with Shukagian is that, yeah, she can land some shots on Mano Firo, who I think her defense is not as great as maybe we all assumed it was. I think there's counter potential for her. I think Shukagian sits on her punches a lot more than she used to, where she used to be known that like for like key eyeing and throwing shots four or five inches in front of her opponent's face. Um, she now actually lands. She sits in the pocket and drops, drops some bombs on girls. Right. And it's the kind of thing that cost her against the likes of Valentina Shevchenko. It's the kind of thing that cost her against Jessica Andrade, right? These are two women that you do not want to stay in that pocket with. If she had fought her old style of just like circling on the outside and staying away at almost all costs, she would have had more success, I think against those two ladies. But in this matchup, I think this could be effective, right? Um, I I actually think for Fioro, like the right the right um, the right strategy is to pressure her, and I think takedown defense is key. Fioro uh, in her last matchup, she had a pretty competitive fight against uh, Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya 
got her with a head kick. She she was able to counter her effectively with her punches, right, with her crisper, cleaner boxing. And Fierro's footwork is not enough to avoid that, even though Maya's notably shorter than is Fierro. Um, I could see Shukagian doing all that. The problem is that Fierro got a lot of takedowns against Maya, who, like, if you would ask before the fight, could Fierro get a bunch of takedowns against Maya, like, everybody would have said no, right, because Maya has shown good wrestling, even against Valentina Shevchenko, she got top position at one point. So I think some of her throws, her head and arm throw, her her, her kind of uh, wizard throw, some of, some of the stuff I think can work against Shukagian. I don't think Shukagian's a high level enough of a brown or black belt uh, to do much off of her back. So for that reason, I'm leaning Menno Ferro since I'm not making this pick. But if I was making this pick, I would go for the two-pointer. I think you're you're making the right call. It's the wrestling, really, that has me picking Ferro. I think on the feet, Shukagian's going to look better. I think Fierro's going to be able to get a couple of takedowns and kind of lock in a, a couple of those rounds. Um, but just like every Shukagian fight, it's going to be, or most Shukagian fights, it's going to be extremely close. And if Fierro can look really good in this matchup, she's clearly among the elite, and she's clearly ready for that, like, maybe a fight away yeah. from Valentina Shevchenko, even though, unfortunately, I think the winner of this fight is going to get the, going to going to have to get the drubbing against Shevchenko, um, despite the fact that we all know she should get uh, give a rematch to her last challenger. Um, my next pick is going to be... Well, I, I just have one more, uh -huh. one more thing to say yep. about that fight, which is that, hang on, I'm just looking at, at um, the reach of Maya versus, versus Chukagian. Yeah, so Chukagian's got greater reach than all of them, but Maya's reach is four inches shorter than Chukagian's. And Maya, it with I mean, she's not a natural striker. She's someone who has to, to win, to implement her game. Oh, she, she's more of a kickboxer. Has to be moving in. She's, well, she's a, I mean, I think I see her as... She's a kickboxer, but she's also a heavy grappler. Yeah, against, um, like, the right opponent, but, but she's generally, like, a Muay Thai fighter. But she, um... But regardless, she needs to get, um... I think against Firo, and in a lot of her fights, she she works to get inside. She has to, because she's, she's not that big. And that means against someone like Firo, with that longer reach, she's going to get clipped a bunch. Um, but she didn't. Like, she clipped Firo. To, to your point, she yeah, I know, but I'm saying, but my my point is that Chukagian doesn't have to put herself in danger to to, to control this fight. Yeah, I I, th I think you're probably right. Um, Maya Maya did in order to have a chance of winning the fight. Maya had point. to go had, had to put herself in more a, danger. Yeah, it's but short, it's yeah, it's it's short people problems. And and you're making a fair point. If Chukagian can keep away from the clinch and land strikes and use her footwork to disengage as soon as she's landed a couple, that's where she can have success here. Girl's got the craft. She's got the experience. She's got. She's only like a year older than Fiero, so it's not like Fiero is like this young up and comer, right? Um, Fiero is like a mentally mature lady who doesn't quite have the level of experience at a high level that uh, Shukagian does. But being undefeated in the UFC flyweight division, um, in the way that she has been, is still impressive. She's still obviously a notable athlete. She's going to be a top, top five or to seven contender for a long time to come as far as we can tell oh i guess she's not undefeated she is nine and one her one loss being i believe early in her career to, oh her, her her mma debut against leah mccourt so um I, I think you're making the right pick at this time though my next pick is going to be in the matchup in the co-main event nick between aljamain sterling and tj dillashaw Wow, I'm surprised you're picking this so early. On paper, it's close. The reason I'm picking this so early, Nick, is because I see a two-point opportunity here. With TJ Dillashaw being plus 150 on a couple of sports books, um, I think this is a, a nip-and-tuck matchup. I think Aljamain Sterling is probably going to take a round by taking TJ Dillashaw's back. I think TJ Dillashaw is going to have a round or so where he's just putting some serious numbers on Sterling. All else being the same, I'm favoring Sterling, to be honest with you. I think 
Um, he has the ability to catch kicks and get takedowns, as he's shown in his last matchup. Um, and TJ Dillashaw is going to throw a lot of kicks. Aljamain Sterling also is going to be throwing kicks, and TJ Dillashaw is an expert at catching them. So I, I think if TJ Dillashaw is on top, he's going to be fine. I don't think that Sterling has the kind of grappling that's going to overwhelm TJ Dillashaw off of Sterling's back. But if Sterling is on top, he takes that back like nobody else. He's going to go for a takedown. TJ Dillashaw is going to defend against the fence, and Sterling's probably going to take his back. So by all means, on paper, this is close. The stand-up should be relatively close. I think TJ Dillashaw's stand-up is more nuanced. I think he, he's used to doing more damage, but he also takes more risks. But with him taking that many risks, it's not like Sterling hurts guys in the feet, right? He can be effective. He can keep you at a distance. He can he can uh, drop some some front kicks on you at a distance. He can he, he can keep you at kicking range, right? He's a he's a conditioned enough fighter to be able to do that for for three to five rounds. TJ Dillashaw has a shitload of experience in five rounders. He's been at a high level forever. Um, he might possibly have the wrestling edge, even though the grappling edge uh, maybe goes to Sterling. I think whoever's on top is going to have the edge here. And with TJ Dillashaw potentially being the better wrestler. Him being potentially the better striker as far as being able to inflict more damage as far as just, again, more nuance, more high-level, just, um, I guess, intricacy for lack of better term to his game, right? He sets things up really well. He sees openings. He He's able to switch step, um, uh, kind of blitzing forward while keeping relatively safe and moving his head in the right ways to avoid a counter shot uh, from a guy like Sterling. I, I think TJ Dillashaw plus 150 for two points is certainly worth the rider, and I wanted to kind of reserve this on the earlier side for me. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's smart. It's only one, plus one fifty at three books. Yep. But why is it take advantage of it? I. I mean, part of it it could just be emotion. Like Sterling's the guy that pulled a bit of a face turn, and he, um, he's got com- You know, he's got confidence after the, especially after the second Yan fight, and yep. he deserves it. Absolutely. He he had everyone wanting to and expecting him to get trounced, and yep. he. He did it. Like, could, like honestly. Despite all the heat like, he was getting from, like, all MMA fans, Nick. All of them, Nick. Not just the, Rus- not just the Russian ones. Like, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Impressive. Us. I mean, a lot of... Ton, I mean, tons tons of respect for Aljo here. And Dillashaw is still a heel. But Dillashaw's 37. And I've always had questions about his... I've had questions about his durability for a long time. I know Sterling doesn't... But is that going to be a concern here? Hard. I mean, it, I think... I think it's always a concern. It's not like it's not like Henry Cejudo was you know was out there like dropping guys like Davis and Figueroa. That's true. I know we had the I know we had the you know he was super withdrawn whatever, but we've seen TJ clipped a lot. Um, yeah. And I think Aljo I think Aljo's I think Aljo's bigger and stronger. TJ is going to be a gnat in this fight. He's going to be fast. Uh, he's going to be fast, explosive, um, and relentless. And the question is, can Al you know can Aljo match the pace, counter, and implement control in his game plan. And I think probably, but I think this is close, and I think you're making a wise decision, but my pick um, my pick with both head and heart is Sterling. Yeah, it's interesting um, that TJ Dillashaw, even though he's got arguably a lot more miles on him, is only three years older than, uh, two and a half years older than, uh, than Sterling. Really? Yeah, <laughs> 36 to Sterling's- 33. Oh, gee, I thought I thought Dillashaw was thirty-seven. Okay, um, he's, he's, um, he's getting there. He's uh, he's about four months away. Um, but also to your point, Sterling has a four-inch reach advantage, um, just an inch of height, but a four-inch reach advantage is significant. His legs also going to be ta- uh, longer than TJ Dillashaw's, and he's an expert at keeping an opponent at kicking range. I wonder how TJ's blitzing style will kind of work uh, with that. But you're right, Sterling has proven that he is absolutely elite, man. He's worked his way up. He's worked it. His ass off. He's earned every bit of the success that he is experiencing. I'm rooting for him. 
I want him to be Dillashaw. I'd love for him to finish Dillashaw. Um, but at plus 150, man, I got to take advantage yeah, of Yeah, I just would like, I would like TJ Dillashaw to just go away uh, <laughs> at this point. No, listen, um, he, he's an entertaining fighter. I would just like to know for sure that he's not using shit. Um, if he's going to stick around, that's all I'm asking for. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Apparently not. Um, no, he's, a, yeah, not a fan. Anyway, uh, this next fight's a really tough one because this is where my head and heart diverge. I'm a big Vulcan Ozdemir fan. Um, and if he was, if he was, he's only plus 150 at one book right now. <coughs> so Nick, there's no two points. Technically, there's another book or two. There's pro- he's probably plus 150 on two books if you want that two points. You sure? Uh, yeah, I, um, I checked on the other, uh, the fight odds website. I'm at, I'm at best fight odds right now. And he's only, he's only on one. Interesting, Nick. Look at you being super honest. The odds you. change. Yeah, no, I, I use best fight odds. Like that's the only one I use. Um, Oh, uh, so, so, sorry. Uh, f- uh, fight odds that I I believe is, is the one where is the one yeah. where um, it shows you an, another example of. Uh, let me see. He is plus one plus one fifty uh, at uh, five dimes, and he's plus one fifty at Betway. All right, I'll take. Okay, in that case, then I'm gonna take. I'll change my pick. So thank you. But this is like this is a tricky fight because you've got Nikita Krylov, who I believe is is more athletic and has more of a finishing instinct yeah. and also makes more mistakes. Um, and then you've got Vulcan Ozdemir, who's pretty pretty cerebral, keeps his game pretty tight, but as he's aging and as he's taking damage, I feel like we can see him doing the math of his own durability um, You know, in the cage. He seems to, he seems like the veteran now when he wins who, ju- who just had enough. And what's going to happen here is there are going to be openings for Krylov. Krylov's going to leave openings. But, like, is Ozdemir going to be able to take advantage of them? Is he going to pull the trigger and be able to get him out of here before Krylov can explode on or hurt um, a, you know, a, a slowly diminishing Vulcan Ozdemir? So it's... I think we this is this is like a, a more a cerebral like more conservative fighter against a more athletic and dangerous one, and you know and Ozdemir has fought the better competition, um, yes. and he has he has fewer goofy losses like the lo- Ozdemir's losses are all super res- respectable. There there was that decision to Dom Reyes which was ultra close. There was he he was the unfortunately the first guy who had to understand what the fuck Jiri Petrosko was up to and it yeah. turns out that's really that's really hard for anybody. Um yeah, Ozdemir's a Ozdemir's a tough dude. I just is he going to get is he going to get clipped before Krylov makes a big enough mistake and if Krylov makes that mistake can Ozdemir take advantage? I my brain is like two out of three times or maybe three out of four times I think Krylov wins this fight. But losing one more point isn't going to hurt me because I'm crushed. But gaining two will make everything a little more respectable. And I've always been an Ozdemir fan, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ozdemir. But I think that you know I also think people are slightly overvaluating, overvaluate, overrating. Yeah, overrating, overvaluing. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, Krylov's win over Gus because I don't know what the fuck's going on with that Swede. Um, so I wouldn't. I don't think Nikita Krylov like suddenly became a killer by knocking out Alexander Gustafsson. Gustafsson hasn't looked right in about five years, six years maybe. Um, so, but so my pick here is Ozdemir. But um, if I was, if it was, if it was even money, I'd be picking Krylov. 
Yeah, um, I think I think I might edge Ozdemir maybe either way, a plus 150 especially, because Krylov um, lately has been, like, he's used to be a killer-be-killed fighter where he just, like, just dropped everything on his opponent early, and if he couldn't get him out of there, he would get tired and, and the guy would take over, and if he could, obviously he wins. Um, lately he's been going a lot more for his offensive wrestling. Um, he is, like, he does have a really well-rounded game. It's just defensively, he doesn't make the best decisions. And Volkan Ozdemir makes some pretty big mistakes, too. He tends to fall apart over the course of the fight, even though he has some success early in a fight. Um, I just feel like at these odds, the fact that I think Krilov, um, he's going to be the faster man standing, right? But Volkan is dangerous and capable and experienced enough standing to put some hurt on Nikita as well. So I think Krilov is used to getting takedowns lately in order to get his wins against guys that are going to survive the early onslaught. And I don't think Ozdemir is going to give up takedowns very easily. Uh, I think he has the takedown defense to stay up on his feet long enough to do enough offensively to win a couple of these rounds. Uh, and so I, I, I agree with you on Volkan Ozdemir. Um, yeah, the last thing I'll say on that, though, is, I mean, Krylov, although he's had these moments, like, I don't want to call him the can crusher, but his wins are not signature wins. His UFC wins are gusts, of shot gusts. A, a training in Ireland, like, goofy Johnny Walker. A an OSP a, and then back before he was in back in the UFC Fabian Maldonado uh, I mean Emmanuel Newton's not a bad fight I mean he, you know Ed Herman like you know, Marcos Rosario de Lima there are not Walt Harris <laughs> like Walt Harris was in the UFC in 2014 holy shit anyway my point my point being that where's you know, where's Krylov's, like, hero victory? When has he been in there with top five competition and bringing the fight? Like, that, that, is, a, that is a case that even recent year Ozdemir can make. Win over Alexander Reichick. Like, uh, he has a split Paul decision Craig. loss to Glover Teixeira. And that's 2019 Glover Teixeira. Like, Glover Teixeira on his, on his you know, recent streak. Um, he... The Magomed on Kalaev fight, I I think that I think that was competitive. If I'm not mistaken, he may have hurt on Kalaev at some point. Like the guy doesn't suck. He just made a really bad mistake. No, I don't think he's I don't think he sucks. He just hasn't brought it. He just doesn't have a signature win. No, I, I guess I mean listen, Ovin St. Prue is not a bad win, not one to frown on. Johnny Walker is not impressive, but it's not a in retrospect, especially Alex Gustafson granted a way past his prime Alex Gustafson. He smoked him. Um, and again, past his prime OSP, he, he kind of ran through him. So, you know, a couple of names on his, on his, on his list, I would say, but, um, you know, overall, I don't disagree with you. He's also like, if you look at MMA math, he lost to Paul Craig and, and Alzheimer just beat Paul Craig, um, convincingly enough, in my opinion. So yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. Yeah. Largely. I mean, big, big comfort behind victory for Paul Craig, that if I true. recall. That yeah. is true. Nikolai, I'm going to go ahead and dive into the main event next matchup between Charles Oliveira and Islam Makhachev. We know what Makhachev has been doing on his way up, right? He's been beating these kind of mid to low level guys, like uh, mid mid level guys like Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, Tiago Moises. These are guys who are on the brink of that top 10, top 15, have the skills to be there on and off, um, but not guys that have consistently been able to hang out there. Bobby Green doesn't have any real high level wins, right? Dan Hooker on a skid when he lost to him. Tiago Moises, um, to be fair, was on a winning streak and, and kind of got handled and submitted in that fight in that fourth round. Um, and and then outside of that, he, he'd be guys like Armin Patrosian, really impressive in retrospect. Davi Hamos, respected guy when he beat him. Drew Dober, so like those those lower-level fighters that he's beaten, um, it's looking pretty good right about now, right? Over the course of his career, Gleason Tebow, Nick Lentz, uh, Chris Wade, 
He's got some really respectable wins on his record, but none of them are really close to top five territory. Whereas Charles Oliveira has wins over four of the top five guys at the moment. The only guy he doesn't have a win over in that top five happens to be Mahashev, who he is facing uh, in this matchup coming up. Um, Oliveira's on the streak, um, right? He was he was an underdog against Michael Chandler, beat him, and I picked him. He was an underdog against Dustin Poirier, he beat him, and I picked him. He was an underdog against Justin Cagey, and Charles Oliveira beat him, and I picked him. In this case, man, I think I'm going to go with Islam Mahachev. I think wow. that we have we have seen what a swerve you swerved me. Go ahead. We've seen time and again, right? How Charles Oliveira can be put on his back, and against the guy with really good grappling and a guy who's not going to make major mistakes, Charles Oliveira can be controlled. Kevin Lee did it. Kevin Lee, who fucking slips mm-hmm. on a banana peel every goddamn chance he gets, he was able to control him for two rounds. Granted, he was surviving a lot of it, right? But it looked like Charles Oliveira was starting to get a little bit tired. Granted, that was years ago. That was right at the start of the pandemic in March 2020. Uh, and ever since then, he's looked really unstoppable in a lot of ways, although he has been cracked a couple of times. I don't think there's much of a chance of Islam Mahachev cracking Charles Oliveira and dropping him, even though Charles Oliveira seems to get dropped in every fight. He has the skill Mahachev does, but he doesn't have um, the kind of innate willingness to take risks that's necessary in order to put Charles Oliveira in real danger standing. He does have incredible wrestling. And once he's on top, man, he has unbelievable control. He just dominates guys. Granted, not guys on this level. I get that. But if you're telling me that Kevin Lee can stay on top of Oliveira for those first couple of rounds and have some success, at least keep in top position and surviving, I think that Mahachev can actually shut down a lot of Oliveira's offense from there. If you're telling me that, that a guy like Paul Felder, who's granted a talented grappler but not known for his grappling back in 2017, was able to stay on top of Oliveira and just pound on him and just pound on him and put damage on him, right? A guy like uh, Michael Chandler, who had just been hurt by Oliveira moments prior to getting to hurting Oliveira, getting on top, spent the last minute, minute and a half of that round winning the round by landing some ground and bounce strikes on Oliveira. You're telling me these guys can do that from top position against Oliveira? Um, and, we're, and now he's facing a guy who's got really effective wrestling, who has really effective grappling, who... All of his training partners, all of his team compare him to Khabib as in either the better version or absolutely on par with him, right? They don't speak that way against a whole lot of guys in that team. They don't speak that way about Zubair Tahugov or whoever the heck else, right? This is the guy that they have pegged as the guy to carry that team. Charles Olvera, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov has basically put his reputation on the line for this guy. The way he's talking about the way that he's going to rip through him, dominate him, and how one-sided it's going to be, how in a different league Islam Makhachev is, right? We've seen indications of that with Islam facing lower-level competition. We haven't seen it at the highest level, but I think this matchup, I think it can favor him. Can Charles Oliveira absolutely finish him standing? Just land a couple of bombs in that first round? Absolutely. That's the only way that we've seen Makhachev lose so far. This is by far the most dangerous guy. By the way, the last time this happened was a Charles Oliveira teammate who beat Makhachev, um, who also <coughs> happens to be a Brazilian guy fighting in the UFC, right? So, like, Yeah, a little bit of an early stoppage in my opinion, but... Possibly, but he was badly, badly hurt, and and Charles. Hey, he got knocked out. He got knocked down by a head kick. You can't yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. It's not can... like a detrimental to his chin. And I, don't, I don't think he's been down since then. Um, I think that he's going to be able to get those takedowns, and I think he's going to wear on Oliveira over a couple of rounds, and then at some point, Oliveira's frustrated and he's kind of tired, and and I, and I think he can. I mean. I think realistic is going to the decision. I think that's how Mahashev can win. And a, little, a lot of people might have the opinion that five rounds means that Oliveira has five rounds to finish him. I just don't think that Mahashev is going to allow it to stay standing long enough. 
Am I rooting for I, Charles Oliveira? 100 million percent. I want Charles Oliveira to win. I'm going to place a bet on Mahashev, and I'll still be rooting for Charles Oliveira. <laughs> but um, it's it's hard to pick him in a matchup where a guy has very, very few holes, unlike his last several opponents, right? Like, the reason I picked him over Gaethje and Poirier is because Gaethje and Poirier have shown bad grappling. Like, they've shown they could be dominated on the ground by an elite grappler, as we've seen with Khabib, right? Like, it's not like they survived against Khabib. Conor McGregor survived longer than these two guys did against Khabib uh, in his matchup. And Conor McGregor, they call him McTapper for a reason, right? And McGregor didn't survive. McGregor didn't survive longer than Dustin. I think Dustin got choked out in the fourth round. Dustin got Dustin got choked out. Let me see. Maybe you're right. Um, third round. And McGregor, I, oh. uh, McGregor, it was two hundred six in the third round. Mm-hmm. Let me let me quickly see here. He lost to Khabib at three hundred three in the fourth round. So again, oh, okay. like like. These guys just could not last with Khabib on the ground. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, Poirier had like a second of a guillotine, but like I think I think Khabib was largely fine, and he has a good guillotine. But um, Charles Oliveira, look, can, can he can he catch him on the way down? It's possible. Do I think that um, the Dagestani, this Dagestani team in particular, is an expert? They're experts at avoiding flying knees on the way to takedown. Yeah, they are. Like they close the distance and they shoot from like when their face is inches away from you. They don't shoot from from four feet back, giving you the opportunity for that flying knee, right? They put their head in the center of your chest, not your stomach, not on the outside of your hip, not on the outside of your other hip to allow for that guillotine choke to be an option, right? They put their head in the center of your chest when they go for takedowns. They've got all of those little details that will allow them to get takedowns by taking minimal damage to to finish a takedown without being submitted and then to control and, and keep their opponent grounded. And worst case, if he's got him pressed against defense, Charles Oliveira for moments, I think that can be effective too. And I think Oliveira's probably going to wear out a little bit sooner. Now, Oliveira's shown serious heart. He's shown serious grit over the last several years. He's definitely the better fighter than the version that, uh, that you know, was on his back against Kevin Lee for a couple of rounds. But he's fading, if he's facing, I think, a different level of grappler, I think this is, you know, both of these guys are truly like one in a million as far as like MMA talent. I'm going to pick Islam Makhachev. Um, I think that there's value on this price. He's around minus 170 last time I checked. Um, the line closed quite a bit, and I see an opportunity here. Um, you might want to consider maybe Makhachev uh, by either TKO or, uh, or, or uh, decision. Yeah, what I think is going to happen in this fight, and listen, I'm also going to be rooting for Oliveira, although I like both of these guys. Um, I think we're going to see a weird anticlimactic um, main event. I believe Makachev is going to knock him out with a slam, just like Andrade Rose. Interesting, okay. Um, I think like in the Holloway fight and in some other fights, like Oliveira is bigger and stronger now, but I I want, I worry about like his his fragility in that respect and like you know guys don't there aren't a lot of people who can who can like power slam dudes in the ufc makachev's one of them is he does um, he, he power slam dr- guys though i, th- I think he, i think he i think he could i think he could drop somebody on their head very like okay. very easily i feel like that's not the um, kind of takedowns he gets but maybe you're right not a lot but i could see him ch- like i could see him getting all doing chain and getting Oliver to the cage and then um him, yeah. from there just yeah. a wild prediction mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean this main event's going to be awesome, uh, regardless. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I have no idea what's going to happen, and that's a great feeling, uh, which means one of them will probably get seriously injured, and it'll be a you know an injury TKO, and we'll all be go, go home feeling miserable. But hot off the press, um, we have learned that one of the, the fights that you picked, um, Stan, that was. Um, Yamamoto Nishikawa against Magomed Mastayev. 
right. Um, um, oh, it was it was canceled due to a Nishikawa contract dispute. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, all right. I, I guess maybe he's still signed to whatever Japanese promotion he's coming from. Um, in that case, I'm going to have to... Whatever, bro. You're thing. signed to whatever Japanese promotion he's coming from. Anyway, go. <laughs> what the world was that? You know what? I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't that's mind. What I, that, yeah, that's what I, that's I, what mind, I thought, man. Like, if I'm going to fight again, I wouldn't mind it being against undersized athletes. Yeah, I think that's a good idea for you. What, what, are, you, what are you trying to say? You're old are you, and are slow. You say, are you saying that because you're heavier than me right now? Oh. F- <laughs> I'm I don't know if that's... right now, actually. Oh, I'm not. I'm, there's no way I'm heavier than you. No? All right, fair enough. 210 of brick and muscle, Nikolai. Yeah. Soviet steel right here, Nikolai. Uh, I've, I've lived in the U.S. Have you, named your, have you named your chin so you can tell them apart? What does that even mean? I'm trying to say it's because of the angle of the camera? Jeez, Nikolai, look at you jumping on something. No. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, blame it, on the, blame it on the camera. You know what, Nick? I look forward um, to seeing you in person so you can see just how youthful I look right now. Who's your pick? Very youthful, Nick. Just, just in case, I'm, I'm actually stalling because I'm having a hard time with my next pick. I think I'm going to go ahead and take my man still stalling. I don't know if you picked up on that. I'm going to go ahead and take Mateusz Gambro. God to beat damn you, Benil. Goddamn. Literally Gary. my next. Literally my next pick. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad this cancellation so, came in mid episode, so I can. So, <laughs> so pissed off. I that can't believe out. I gave you that. P- oh, my God. I just handed oh, it to you. Oh, I feel you. good, brother. I feel good, brother. So, um, Benil Daryush is extremely dangerous on the feet. He is almost reckless, but but he's, I think, curtailed a lot of his defensive liabilities, and we've seen that come to fruition over the last several fights where he's actually on a pretty impressive win streak in the division after, like, let's face it, kind of seeming fragile at times, right? His, I believe three of the four losses on his record are by knockout, right? That chin hasn't held up too well. A few fights ago against Jokar Close, he got buzzed. And that kind of led to the finish because Jokar Close dumped his gas tank trying to finish him and got caught on the counter. So, look, there's there's definitely some uh, progression in his game, right? Diego Ferreira was a great win. It was by split decision. I, I thought it was a little bit more decisive than that at the time, at least. Scott Hopesman is a decent win. But Tony Ferguson at this point in his career, is that that impressive? He did dominate him, but still, like it's not exactly that kind of elite-level win. And so far, from what I've seen of Mateos Gamro, is that he is sharp, he is on point. Um, the power in his strike seems to be increasing. The technique seems to be getting better. Well, I should say the technique has always been pretty solid. I think he's getting more comfortable standing. His wrestling is really, really solid. His grappling is excellent, man. Um, I think that Benio Deyush probably needs to get consistent takedowns or suck Gamro into one of his just wild fights to win this fight. And I don't think that Gamro's going to allow for that. He hasn't shown those kinds of tendencies. I thought that he probably got edged in that last fight um, uh, against Armand Petrosian, who I think is also fantastic. Uh, I'm sorry, Armand Taryukin. Petrosian's another guy on this card. Um, I thought he, he lost that decision. It was a competitive one. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, and he walked away with the win. And maybe that made up for that Guram Katatudzaladze. I can up that name in every way possible. Wow. Maybe it made up for that kind of, you know, not so great decision loss. In his that, that was, they were both close. It's Kutaladze, Guram Kutaladze, by the way. This is just so you know how to say the names of the fighters that we're talking about. But go ahead. There's multiple T's separated by a vowel. Kutataladze. You got to correct me. Be on point, motherfucker. I did. I said Kutataladze. Go ahead. No, you said you, you had one T. Go ahead. Go. You're, you're, you're boring Be, our... People you're hit, boring hit our, 
You're hit boring our listener. 15, hit that rewind by 15 seconds thing and check you're it out. Bo- Nick definitely use You are TMT. boring our listener. Go ahead. The subject now that you know you're wrong. Gosh darn it, Nikolai. So, uh, Mateus Gabriel, he stays sharp enough. I think there's a chance that he can land on Daryush and hurt him, right? The last couple of guys that Daryush fought didn't necessarily have either the opportunity to do that. I think Ferguson had the potential to hurt him. Diego Ferreira is just like on a slide. He's not the same guy he used to be. Um, Scott Holtzman, if I remember correctly, buzzed him at some point uh, before he was knocked out by the spinning backfist in the first round. But um, I don't think that Mateos makes those kinds of mistakes. I know there's a huge experience disparity, but Darius is also coming off of a serious knee injury. So I'm going to take Benil Darius. Is that a good pronouncement, Nick? Uh, to I'm sorry, I'm going to take Mateos Gambrot to beat Benil Darius. I think Gambrot has got all the makings of a of a kind of mainstay top five fighter for a while to come. Yeah, I'm uh, also picking the Polish fighter here uh, for for a couple of reasons. Like as you said, uh, Benil Dariusz is good. He's a he's a B plus A minus wrestle boxer. You know, he's a little uh, he's, he's a, a good wrestle boxer. He's a, he's a jets boxer, mm-hmm. but he does get good takedowns. Um, he does, yeah, he does. He's very proficient. He's got great wrestling. kicks too. He's not a he's boxer. strong. Yeah, he. Um, but the thing is, like, it's not that his gas tank is bad. It's just that Gamero uh, has. I think he's faster and can and can pressure more, um, and chain and I think chains things together both in wrestling and combinations uh, more creatively. I think he's I think he's just going to be a little hot to handle uh, for Dariush. Now Dariush is probably going to be the bigger man, right? I think I it's correct me if I'm wrong. Taller. Fought, I don't know. If, I don't it, know if I would say bigger. Didn't Gamrot fight in Europe at 145? Or am I wrong about that? Um. Not that I know of. I'm, I'm seeing here um, 5'10". Both guys are 5'10". Uh, Daryush has an inch and a half reach advantage, so not necessarily any indication of a size difference. They're also, like, Gambro's just a brick shit house, and, and, and you know, Daryush looks he's, he's on the strong. He's side. A, he's oh, strong, really? I, I think He's lean. I think, I think Gambro looks a little a little bit leaner. Like, Daryush, I think, for me, is, is, is just is, – you have the really wide shoulders – um, so I'm clicking know, through a few dude. of his fights, and he used to actually fight. Uh, well, at least he's had some fights at 170. I'm not seeing any indication of fights at 145. Camera has. Okay, so maybe I was wrong about that. So the reach advantage is with Darius, but I think the I think speed, tech, technique, and pressure um, is a rough combination uh, for Darius, and I don't think um, he's going to be able. I think Gamera should be quicker in scrambles, and I think Darius's path to victory means holding this guy down and I don't see that happening. Um, so I've got I've got Gamro the favorite as well. Um, yeah, I, unfortunately I think, I, so, sorry, I was just saying I think Darush has a chance at a knockout because he's extremely dangerous standing, like with every goddamn limb, but we haven't seen any indication that Gamro is easy to hurt, so I'm there with you, man. Um Cool. So we've got a, a few picks left. You know what? Guram did land a knockdown on him in their fight. Uh, it was counted as an. Oh, and sorry, you counted too. Dude, fucking. Can I just say? This is a fight that could go either way. Now that I've seen that, he's been dropped a couple times. Benil Dariush is powerful, man. And if you're going to be touching him, he's going to be hurting you. So Benil Dariush has a, has a great shot in this, in this fight, especially given the experience edge. But the knee injury concerns me. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, so, although he had a tough time in his last fight against uh, uh, Kyle Barallo, who's also on this card, I'm going to pick. 
the Russian fighter. Oh yeah, the Armenian fighter rather. I was like he was born in Russia, but he's fighting out of Armenia. Um, Armin Petrosian, um, I think, should have the I think the cardio and the all around game uh, to take out AJ Dobson. If I remember correctly, Petrosian uh, had trouble um, keeping the fight where he wanted to uh, against Brello, and I'm not. I don't think he's going to have uh, quite as much trouble with that um, against Dobson. Yeah, um, it's a. Here's the thing: Dobson showed a lot of upside in that UFC debut. Like, despite the fact that he lost the decision and looked very frustrated at the end. He showed a lot of offside in that first round against who we now know to be like a fairly solid high-level fighter in um, who's that Australian fella in uh, in Jacob Malcoon, right? Like he he had a really good mm. first round, dude. He he um, touched him up almost at will. He was aggressive. He was in a stance. He was a lot more technical than he was on Contender Series. Malcoon is a terrible striker. Like Malcoon a terrible is, striker. Malcoon is a fantastic jab, and he's putting it together, dude. He's not a terrible striker. Not bad. Uh, in fact, I think, in fact, he he won a lot of that fight uh, over the weekend. Granted, against another rapper. He yeah, well, he, but yeah, he's, but he started, but he started winning the fight after Maximov, like after Maximov completely destroyed his leg. He was fighting on one leg and and was clearly psychologically, like defeated and upset. So I, I hesitate to. It was, and he's also not much of a striker himself. Um, no, he, he's not. But the, how easily. Malcoon was getting takedowns on a guy that's gotten a bunch of takedowns in the UFC so far. I'm not saying it's a high level win. After we, yeah, after he we, blew out his leg. But go ahead. Yeah, but you and I all like like I had money on Malcoon in that fight. Like I was confident in him because he's a higher level fighter than Nick Maximov. But he, the reason I I, I think Maximov wins that fight if he doesn't blow out his knee. I think you're insane. This is a guy that you and I both agree beat Brendan Allen, who's a top ten, top fifteen fighter, dude. Like Malcoon's legit. Don't underestimate Nate Malcolm. Yeah, but, Bre- gonna, but Brendan uh-huh. Allen is a fighter that wa- that walks into takedowns. True, <laughs> like, but, but still, dude, like you, you and I didn't disagree. He landed a lot of jabs in that fight against you know a wild striker in Brendan Allen. Um, he he landed takedowns almost like well, he's Malcolm's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the bat for this guy. I, I I'm a believer. I'm not saying he's gonna be champion, but he's gonna be the, like a like a decent level gatekeeper, like to maybe the top fifteen. Has slightly more potential than that potentially. Just, just watch. If you him. can't, if watch you cannot, him. if you do not have takedown defense, Jacob Malkoon will make you suffer. Outside of that, you know, I, I don't feel as strongly as you do. Well, I would say if you don't have very, very good takedown defense, he'll make you suffer. That's All right, I'm, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you added that very in there. So that, I'm picking, I'm picking Petrosian. Are you still talking? Are you gonna, are you gonna like? Well, well you got anything is, else to this say? This is a podcast, and like the whole point of it is to. I don't know if you've ever done this. I know it's been a while for you. You've been uh, you've been tending to other things. You've been busy, but that's what you do on a podcast, man. You talk. Have you done this here before? I've been I've been busy costing out surgeons for your nose job. Now go ahead. What is wrong with you? That nose job did not do. <laughs> it did nothing. Still crooked. Still can barely breathe through it, Nikolai. That's because you haven't looked. Through, you haven't been looking through the surgeons. You're gonna commit to it. If you're gonna take credit for it, Nick, do a better job. No, I didn't. You didn't get the surgery yet because you're still interviewing the doctors. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, fair enough. All right, I wasn't sure what was happening in the storyline that you concocted. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just think I just think you should you should go you should go see Doctor Uriah Hall so he can rearrange it for you. She's again. Louise Doctor Light. We're talking, he's fighting a basketball player. He's not interested in real opponents. Now, for my next pick, Nikolai, I am going to take. This is where everything um, gets hard for me because it's hard to be confident in any of these individuals. I think I'll have to go with. I guess I'll take Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov to beat Gadzi Umar Gadziev. 
Holy shit. What? what a that is a Scrabble fight if I've ever seen one. Yes, no joke, right? Just just with those letters. Abu Bakar, Nurmagomedov against Gadzi Omar Gadziev. They're gonna, they are gonna. The announcers are gonna lose their shit. I don't even know why I'm picking Abu. I don't like. I, I shouldn't be picking this man, right? This is. So, I'm gonna take somebody else, Nick. I can't take this guy. No, you, dude, you spoke. So what? I'm, 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 I'm. I'm wow, you get now. the, you get the free pick on Gamrot before. All right, fine. Free go ahead. Pick. It's, free pick. It's yeah, it was my wow. first pick got replaced. I guess. I, I guess Jews get Christmas now. Good for you. You know what, Nikolai? Christmas is coming a month and a half early, and I'm into it, uh, yep. despite the fact that I'm a not practicing Jew, per se. So, um, going to go in my next pick, Nikolai, I'm going to take Zubaira Tokugov to beat Lucas Almeida. Lucas Almeida mm. is really fucking, really tough standing up. Dude's got power, he's got resilience. He can get dropped, but he can drop fools, too. He's got a really complete Muay Thai game, traditional kind of tie-based combos, usually ending in kicks. He's consistent in that way. Pretty good technique overall standing, right? But he can get trapped on his back. And Zubayat Tokugov being a protege of Khabib, of, of Islam Makhachev, being in that camp with the, with the likes of uh, Bilal Muhammad, you would think that he should know that wrestling offense would be the, the key here. But he also showed really good counter-striking in his last fight against, uh, against Hamos. And Hamos, to me, is a pretty high-level freaking opponent, man. If you're, if you're going to look good against that guy, um, especially in a fight that, that mostly takes place standing, it's a good sign for you, especially considering you're generally known as a grappler. So I, I think that Abu, um, excuse me, I think that Zubair Tahugov should have the IQ to, to get at Lucas, but there's a serious liability here because I've seen Zubaira get tired late in a fight, like against Lerone Murphy. And Lucas Almeida is the kind of guy that will take advantage of you if you're tired. Also, we saw him get tired in Contender Series, so I guess that could technically go either way. Um, I I'm going to take uh, Zubar Tahugov with some trepidation. Got it. That's a good pick. Um, You're a I'm good gonna pick. Go, I'm gonna... Or you, you know what? You're good to pick on. How about that? I'm yeah. going to pick Almeida. Um, Are you? I like it, Nick. So, all right, this shit's going to get hairy, but I'm going to do it. Um, Just real quick, why are you picking Almeida? Because you didn't. Okay, right, so okay. on to the next, uh, on to the next pick. And I liked, I liked what he did to Treziano. Yeah, um, I feel that. So, uh, this is a really interesting fight. One of the more interesting fights in the card. You got an undefeated fighter at welterweight uh, in Sean Brady, who got after two good rounds against Michael Kaisa, uh, got ridiculously exhausted, and if I remember correctly, got clowned a little bit. <laughs> bad in that third round but still got the decision despite losing the third round handily now sean brady does one thing really well right he takes you down and keeps you there he's fighting a pretty um diverse and, and multi-skilled mixed martial artist you got below muhammad who's got uh, who's got good wrestling um ever improving striking even if he doesn't have a, a ton of pop it's a little bit of um, you know, he can get you by a, by a thousand cuts there. He doesn't have no pop. He's just like, he's not exactly a knockout artist. And he's got yeah, he cardio. Really go for power. And he's got cardio for days. Um, and he's just, he's good everywhere. So he's got, he's also got a lot of confidence. Um, I think he's going to be excited to be fighting in Abu Dhabi. Uh, he's been training, uh, you know, training with, with top-notch guys, running with the Lions. And Sean Brady is... You know he's got one path to victory here, and it's strong. I really wish that um, I really wish that Bilal Muhammad was a uh, was plus one fifty, so I could get some underdog picks here. 
But I think this is Sean Brady's prospect loss. I don't think Michael Kaiza uh, is like that. His paths to victory we're gonna um, we're gonna take out Sean Brady over you know over three rounds. I think that if Bilal Muhammad can keep this fight standing up, and he's got very strong takedown defense, and he's really elusive. Um, you know, he showed that in the Luke fight. Like, this is going to be at one of the bigger octagons. I'm making an assumption there. I can't imagine they're going to bring the small <laughs> octagon to Abu Dhabi. No um, so I see Mohamed having more paths to victory. Um, he's Even if he loses the first round and gets smothered, he's going to be he's going to be dangerous and causing problems the whole time. And he's going to make Sean Brady physically work for this entire fight, either chasing him or going after takedowns. Um any you know anything so i see Bilal muhammad winning a very close decision here or maybe if brady really gasses himself out um you know getting a kind of a, a, a tko if he's able to switch positions late in the fight something like that i you know i could be wrong but i uh, i feel like fortune's going to favor uh, Bilal muhammad so remember his name on saturday yeah, I have a. I've made the mistake of forgetting his name many a times, Nikolai. I'm not gonna lie to you, but yeah, look, the the conditioning thing in that matchup was a concern, but somehow Brady still got takedowns against Kiesa, despite the fact that he. I don't think he was high. poorly conditioned. I think some people just carry a lot of muscle and genetically yeah. gas out. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't. Those last few seconds, he was on the brink of getting finished. It looked like it was. Yeah, a good like look. I don't think you can train. Pounded, you yeah. can't. Yeah, you can't train to to make less lactic acid. I don't think. Um, it's yeah, I don't know. I, I just think about like when I when I swam in college and I was training just as much as everybody else, but based on my build, based on my muscles, whatever. Oh like, yeah. I would gas. No, I would gas. Huh? I I would gas. Ran out like, of gas because you were too strong, motherfucker. No, I carried I carried more muscle than a lot than a lot of other swimmers. I'm five I'm five nine and yeah, and that. stockily built. And a lot of swimmers are six, you know, are six, seven and lean with giant yeah. feet and hands. So yep. um, anyway, I'm just saying I don't I Brady doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's not well conditioned. I just think some people, some people's genetics mixing with in their fight style aren't always complimentary. But anyway, go ahead with, with, with the rest of what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I just like my question is what happens in those first two rounds? I feel like Bala Muhammad should look good in the third. But is Brady the stronger guy? Might be, man. Paul Felder trained with both guys, and he only named one of them as the strongest human being he's ever locked horns with, right? And that's Sean Brady. Granted, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know that he's closer to Sean Brady. He's literally had both guys as regular training partners throughout his career, right? So, um, Bala Muhammad definitely has the craft and experience over Brady. Brady being undefeated, has that confidence. He's physically incredibly strong. We mentioned that, but he also hits pretty hard. For a guy whose striking is not his for like not his not a game, he's pretty technical and pretty on point. Uh, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, doesn't take a lot of risks. To be fair, but he hits fucking hard on the counter, um, and and he sets decent traps considering how you know he's not the longest armed individual on the planet. Um, so what happens in those first two rounds? Can Sean Brady take him down? Um, Damian Maya had a lot of trouble even getting close to a takedown against Bal Muhammad, um, and Damian Maya has that just elite grappler strength. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's comparable to Brady here. Um, I guess watching tape on both guys, I think I ended up edging slightly towards Sean Brady, even though I feel like I should go the other way. When I go against my feelings at tape study, I tend to be wrong. I'm going to stick with Sean Brady by, uh, by competitive decision here. I think you're right. That third round is going to be sketchy for him. But those first two rounds, 
I think there's a chance he might win enough of them. Um, I, I think there's also a little bit of a reach disparity. Let me quickly look at the stats, which if Bilal Muhammad is notably taller, 5'11 to 5'10, not much taller. Similar reach with Brady having a half inch. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stick with Brady. I'm gonna stick with my initial thought. If Bilal Muhammad was a plus two fifty dog, you better believe I would have picked him though by now. So we disagree on it by a slight margin. Nikolai, my next well, pick that's, is that's what happens with these these late ones. Yeah, yeah no joke. Um, I'm having trouble with this last pick, Nick. I'm having trouble deciding which razor's edge to touch first. Gutsy. Well, the, the, the fights left, just for everyone's edification, are Mukhamed uh, Muradov against Kyle Borello and... Mahmoud Muradov. Mahmoud Muradov. Um, Kyle Borello. Jesus Christ. Abu Bakar uh, Nurmagomedov. Oh, that's a Brazilian it. accent. I should have... Yeah, you sound like, you sound like, Mc, you sound like Mackenzie Dern now. Um, <laughs> what... And what's the what's the other fight left? Oh, you did you did not, oh, did you not pick it, it was, uh, uh, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus Gadzi Gadzi Omar Gadziev. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like Abu Bakar losing to. Uh, I'm sorry, Gadziev losing to Chao Borrelio is not much to be ashamed of. Chao, he's a pretty solid, solid guy, but then like wins over. I think you know what is he an underdog big enough here? Yes, I'm going to take Gadzi Omar Gadziev to beat Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Gadzi lost to what could be like a very serious prospect, not a not a combat um, prospect in Chao Barrello. Just, just so you know, Gadzi's not extra points. What do you mean? Not anymore? Plus 140, plus 135, plus 140, plus 145, plus 142, plus 145, plus 140, plus 143. This is number two bullshit, Nick. Is number one bullshit guy. Because and when we start recording this podcast, Nikolai, well, believe. I'm just looking at it now, so I don't right, give a shit. One sports book at plus one fifty. We got SI. I see none. Give me another one. Give me another one. You need three. Give me. I need two. What are you talking about three, two. Change the rules on me. I don't see. I don't see it. I think you're right. You... Let me see. Cam, that line got way closer, huh? Nope. That's number one bullshit. Fuck it. I'll take Godzi. Holy I don't shit. In... What? The, the the Makayev line over Malcolm Gordon has changed. It's now minus twelve hundred. It's crazy. I think it was minus seven hundred like a day or two ago. Um, Wild. It's it's a little honestly. I, I might just take a take a take a chance in that case. I'm plus throw, you get you get plus seven fifty on Malcolm Gordon. Yeah, I'm gonna throw I'm, I'm gonna throw him like a like a like a I don't know ten dollars to win seventy five. Nick ten dollars no, that I no, won't miss not, if I don't win. How about that? No, that that's cool. When your kids you know when your kids can't go to college because you're gambling you can let both them know of my that. daughters already have college funds and one of them's only five months old i i, I think we're okay, okay. nikolai god damn it right. nick questioning my parenting <laughs> what's wrong with you come on it's the only goddamn thing i'm good at all right all right i'm, I'm gonna take godzio margadziev i think losing to jao Bar- barrelio was nothing to be ashamed of and and you know, Abubakar is just not that great of a fighter. Yeah, he tra- trains like Team Khabib, but he's just like a mediocre, mediocre human, uh, mediocre MMA fighter, like a lot of those guys uh, above like 170 pounds in that camp are. All right, well, that leaves Wait, one fight. Wait, why in the world did I just make that pick first? That's so weird. How many picks do I have? Four? You got one more. There's only one fight left to pick. Right, so why did I make that pick first? 
Hold on. I have um, I have Dar. I have Gamro. I have Yan. I have Stir. Uh, I have Dillashaw. I have Mahashev. Petrosian. Right. I have Petrosian, or do you have Petrosian? I have Petrosian. There it is. That actually makes sense. Um, in which case, this was my fifth pick. Sorry, brother. Go ahead. Oh no no, it's okay. Um, no, it was listen, my fifth I, pick. Sorry. I'm gonna go. This is the so the last pick. I've got to go with Kyle Barello over uh, Mahmoud Muradov. I like Mahmoud Muradov. Muradov. He's, Mahmoud, yeah, he's your, he's Muradov. your Mahmoud, Mahmoud Muradov. Mahmoud oh wait, this Muradov. isn't. Hang on, this isn't your countryman. I thought yes, he was. He was born in Uzbekistan. He oh, it's oh, it's, it's saying he's born in Tajikistan. Uh, no, he he, he lives there and represents Tajikistan, but he was born in Uzbekistan. Oh, they've got it. They've got it goofy on topology now. Uh, they changed it, which is really weird. Because yeah, the flag is Uzbek. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like this guy a lot. He's a really good fighter, but man, he got exposed a little bit in the Mearshart fight. Um, not it to be like a glass cannon necessarily, but. His cart, his his fight style, and his cardio are not necessarily aligned, and he's not real good at developing a plan B. And hence, he got uh, he got beat up a little bit by by Gerald Mershart and eventually choked out. Uh, Kyle Brello has really not shown much weakness um, since you know since uh, coming off of the Contender series. Uh, he's had you know he's had a lot of success. He's he's looked good. It's not always thrilling. But I believe that his uh, I believe that his technique, from a technical standpoint and a gas tank management standpoint, um, and with Muradov being a little uh, perhaps shy about about the submissions, I could see him being tensitive uh, a bit or uncomfortable when the fight gets in certain positions that I think Barello is going to feel really at home in. Um, so I'm going to go with a fighter from Sao Paulo who hasn't lost since his uh, you know since 2015 and is very uh is his, his second ever uh MMA fight hasn't lost uh since then he did lose to Jailton Almeida in a in a submission circus but like I think everyone's going to lose to Jailton Almeida <laughs> well you know what's interesting about Calvarello I like I've really considered him a serious prospect leading up to um recently and then there's all this footage of Kamzat Chimaev just dominating him in the grappling which is where we've seen uh, Borello dominates so far. He's dominated Dagestanis in the grappling. He's dominated Brazilians in the grappling. He's like a really good grappler. And then there's footage of Kamzat just, I mean, so what's your dominating him? Like, like literally, Kamzat so, is. Uh, I, believe was, I believe it was the embedded uh, from the previous from Kamzat's uh, last fight, and he's just like ragdolling him. And, and as he says out loud, people say I'm a bully. I make champions. And Cow is just like dominated and can't do a goddamn thing about it so that what is that sticks in my mind um well, what does that have to do with this fight well the fact that and I, i'm not saying muradov is a great grappler but the fact that cow you know if you look at and i'm not sure i'm saying his first name right but if you look at his opponents armor petrosian is not a very good grappler at all he's purely a striker godzio margadziev um he dominated to be fair but who knows how good he is right he was 13-0 at the time he's um he hasn't fought since that matchup and i'm curious to see where he goes from there but you know, we haven't really seen him against, like, this level of competition. And him being, like, such a big favorite over Muradov, um, that seems a little bit crazy to me. Muradov has great footwork. He, he didn't, look, he didn't come out of that last fight. I believe that was well, his prospect loss. He, he lost to Gerald Mirchart, who um, is known for coming back after getting 
taking a bar early. I think maybe he didn't take him seriously and didn't train for him or something because he's usually the guy that gets a third-round knockout, Nick. His other two finishes in the UFC, third-round knockouts. One with less than a minute left, one with two minutes left of the round. So he's not the guy that gets exhausted and just gives in. Um, and I, I'm not sure what happened with that matchup. But, uh, look, I, I think I think Cow is going to have a hard time finding him to take him down because of his footwork. And so here's what I realized, Nikolai. One, uh, this last pick was not your pick. It's an extra pick because we each oh. have six picks already. Two... Would you like to uh, would you like to switch this pick for a different pick of yours? Um. Yeah, I would take this fight over the Petrosian fight. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. So the, Petro- the Petrosian fight is, your... is the is the tiebreaker fight. Yep. Well, who do not, you... not tiebreaker, but I guess if another fight falls out, uh, one of us. Oh yeah, yeah. That one. Back backup fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as far as the the Petrosian, uh, as far as this fight, um, I mean it's it's hard. It's like the number is just so off. It's weird to me. Like Mahmoud is not that. Well, I mean bad. it's our la- it's our it's our last pick. I wasn't. Yeah, there, you know. there's a reason for it. Um, so 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 you got this pick as your fifth pick then. Armin Petrosian, um, I guess will be the extra pick, and I don't think I necessarily want to trade for that one. I mean he's plus he's plus one sixty. Like it's not that. It is. It's further up than it should be, but it's, I don't think. it's Oh, like he's crunch. plus one sixty now. He got closer. Okay, that's fair. He got closer since the last time I looked. Plus uh, one seventy, plus one sixty four, plus one seventy five. But the you can get him at plus one seventy. You know what, Nick? And, I'm gonna switch my last pick, the uh, Bubakar Nurmagomedov Godziev matchup. I'm gonna switch that one with the Armin Petrosian AJ Thompson pick if I can. Um, you so you re- want you want Dobson or Petrosian? Um, I want Petrosian. I just feel like that one I'm a little more confident in. And here's the thing. I think AJ Dobson is a talented guy. I think he's got skills. Um, I, I don't think he has the experience to go long-term. I don't think he has the experience to stay calm in a dire situation. And that's what happened against Malkoon, where he looked great in the first round. But once he got started giving up Wait. takedowns... Uh-huh. So what fight are you giving up? I'm giving up Abu Bakar, Nurmagomedov, and Gadzi Omagadzeyev. You can't give them both up. Well, the, the, that's one fight between two guys. Oh yeah, yeah. You had picked Godzi. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I'm taking uh, I'm taking um, Petrosian instead. Here's the thing about Petrosian. He is relentlessly offensive. He's got serious killer instinct. He's got serious finishing power. And he's shown that he can compete with. Oh like, yeah, I with, like, I picked him. Upper. Yeah, yeah no, it, it does make sense. It's just AJ Dobson really does have a lot of potential. I just feel like they're throwing him into kind of the wrong end of the pool. I can't see AJ Dobson doing well if he consistently goes for takedowns. He trains under Mark Coleman. He trains with guys like Matt Brown. Those guys have kind of taken him under his wing. Mark Coleman could be really helpful in the wrestling and the kind of craft and experience uh, element. Um, Matt Brown could be helpful in a lot of ways, including craft and experience, right? And and these guys really believe in him. I'm pretty sure they're both going to be in this corner unless things have changed in the, in the last several months. Um, but he doesn't have the experience, dude. Like the, how frustrated he was and the fact that he could do nothing about Malkoon being on top of him he just like literally started like making phys- physical noises and, and telling Malcolm that like he's like you're strong you're gonna be on bottom of a guy for two rounds you're gonna tell him he's strong i don't like that mindset even though he's got a lot of talent i think he could still make something out of himself i think there's a chance armor petrosian may just like hurt him badly man because he's a dangerous dangerous man jo- dobson has a chance if he gets takedowns consistently um so maybe i'll keep an eye and see if i want to switch the pick for a two-pointer but i doubt it 
Nikolai, that'll do it for this one. I'm really excited about this card. Just to our listeners, quickly, don't forget that this is at this starts at 10 a.m. I believe the prelims do Eastern. So yeah, um, I'm gonna be watching. Going I'm gonna have to watch it later at night. I'm gonna have to try to stay dark. Yeah, you should like disconnect all notifications from ESPN and Twitter, etc. Um, I'm going to as well because uh, I have plans for that day. But I look forward to watching it later that evening. We're, we're visiting friends in Pennsylvania, Nikolai. I'm sorry. What do you? Um, want and then we've got like. And then a week after that, we've got an uh, what can only be described as an action-packed main card. You've got Calvin Guitar against Arnold Allen. Let's that's go. A, that's a hell of a fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Qatar has been uh, Calvin Cater's been uh, going win win loss win loss for a little bit. But Arnold with the Allen. Elite. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the top dudes. And yeah. Arnold Allen is still looking for a super signature victory. Doesn't fight all that frequently, but boy, he hasn't shown a lot of weaknesses. Then we have a, a co-main event that's just going to be a straight banger, uh, the kind of fight that would usually be a pay, on a pay-per-view um, undercard to like lead in. You got Tim Means against Max Griffin, so that's just going to be bomb central. Yes. Um, and also speaking of bomb central, you've got Dustin Jacoby against Khalil Roundtree, um, which is you got a super powerful boxer against a more precise one. Um, so that'll I think that'll be fun. Straight up banging, you got Gerald Vandera on the card again. Um, I, I guess banging is one word for it. Um, yeah, Arlovsky. Arlovsky's on. A lot of heavy, yeah, a bunch of heavyweights on this card. Arlovsky against Marcos Rogerio de Lima, a fight he should be able to win. Chase um, Hooper. Phil Halls versus Loman. By the way, Arlovsky's a decent sized underdog, so. Um, you know, I think that's crazy. Um, might be might uh, might be worth investing in him by decision if you can get props at this point. If not. Just, you know, Orlovsky's probably going to win a decision. There's a chance he just gets blasted in the first round. Roman the Leeds versus Phil Halls is a good fight. How is, that not, how is that not on the main card? How do you have Waldo Cortez Acosta versus J- uh, Jared Vandera on the main card? I don't know. Is, Roman... it, is, it, is Cortez Acosta like a serious prospect? He's number one ranked of 38 active U.S. Southwest pro heavyweights. <laughs> very he's, a Dominican, yeah, he's a Dominican fighter out of Arizona uh, who I guess had a knockout on the contender series. But, like, listen... Phil Hawes has done enough. Phil Hawes yeah, has done enough to be on the fucking, like, I don't know, this I would say Roman Deletes has too, dude. Roman Deletes yeah. is fucking Yeah, both of them. Yeah, I mean, he could be a little bit boring and a little bit frustrating sometimes, True. but, like, yeah. if, you're, if, like, you're like, if you want to be like, oh, we want excitement, like, yeah, put Phil Hawes on a main card. Like, I don't, you know. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm, I'm actually intrigued by that by that fight because if Phil Hawes loses the way that he's lost in the past, Roman Deletes is the kind of guy that can make him do that. But if he's fixed a lot of his issues, then he should be okay in this fight. But the Leeds is just a brute, a dangerous man. Yeah. And we got, we got uh, Park Jun Young. Or Yun Jung. Uh, like him. Yun Young. Turtle. Darn yeah, Turtle, Nikolai. Yeah, he's fun. Can I just say it's uh, very weird to me that Pathology, Yun Young Park, 